Hello and welcome to the Chip Away podcast. My name is Adam and I talk with passionate construction professionals and try to chip away at what it is to build, create and shape the landscape we live in. My guest for this episode is Kylie Tafford. Kylie is the chairperson for Women in Trades, a not-for-profit that promotes trades and trades training as a viable career option to women and employers. They are run by a committed group of people from in and around the trades and trade services industries. Daughter of a construction worker, teacher by day, and woman's advocate by night, Carly was an insightful guest, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Good evening, Kylie. Thanks for coming on the Chip Away podcast. I appreciate you offering your time and, and speaking with me this evening. I'm interested in getting to know you before we go into the kind of organization that you're representing and that we're talking about that broader topic tonight. So if you could give me a little bit of background on yourself and how you got interested in the industry and if we could lead into uh, how did Women in Trades come about and what inspired it. So I'm Kylie Taffard. I'm the chairperson of current chairperson of Women in Trades. So my background is I'm actually an educator. I'm a teacher. So I teach in, well, when I first got involved with Women in Trades, I taught in an all-girls school. And I actually ran the Trades Academy that was there. And so that led me to look at the opportunities. Um, one of my um, jobs that was given to it, given to me by the principal was to investigate jobs that were out there and if we were giving the girls the right opportunities to get into areas of growth and the construction industry and the primary industries were two areas that we were not invested in and so we started with the construction industries. We set up a, a trades academy which is an all-girls trades academy with Unitech at the time and yeah that's how I got involved and interested in the construction trades. Um, my father was a construction tradie, he was a carpenter, uh, so I spent most of my childhood hanging around in trucks waiting for dad to finish on a job site or to, <laughs> to finish a meeting or to go and buy timber or whatever he needed. So yeah, so it's kind of, I've been around it for quite some time, but my background itself is actually as a maths teacher. Great. So I'm, I'm wondering, um, let's get into women in trades. You've mentioned that it kind of came about where you looked at certain industry and you felt that there was some sort of underrepresentation in terms of getting into the job market in the primary and the construction industry. When we're talking about women trades and what it is now, are we focusing on the construction industry or what does that kind of cover? And, I, and, and just later on from that, I wonder if you can go into everything about women in trades and what it is today. So the women in trades was started, I always get this wrong, around 2015. So a gentleman by the name of Rangi who worked for Māori Pacifica Trades Training looked at developing an event for the women that uh, were in the trades training program that he worked for and also for women who were in the construction industry. Now that event wasn't so great. I was on the organising committee so I take partial responsibility for that but it actually showed that there was a need um, and a lot of the industry partners were really keen so we decided um, so I took over the chairperson role after that in 2016 we ran our first 
mini event that looked at getting women into the trades. Um, when we talk about the trades, when women and all women in trades, we're looking at those trades that are traditionally male dominated. And we cover, so we cover everything from automotive, boat building, mechanical engineering to all the trades in the construction and infrastructure space. And what we try and do is highlight the diversity of trades. Is um, like within the construction sector alone, there are so many different trades that people tend to just focus on or know about a carpenter. Mm. Um, and so we try and show that, yes, you could be a carpenter, and a lot of women are going into that field and becoming incredibly successful, um, but there are others. If you're interested in joinery, if you're interested in um, more civil work, digger driving, those kind of things. So we just try and, and portray all the different types of trades. And what we've done in the past is we've really looked at how can we expose um, women to the industry. So not just secondary school students, but also people who are looking at a career change. And so to expose um, women to the trades, we thought, well, we actually need to try and come up with some kind of event to get them along, involved, and informed. So we have an event once a year. We obviously didn't have one this year, where we get people along to provide give it a go type activities. Because quite often, if you go to a careers event and there's a digger there, it's surrounded by boys. And that's not a bad thing. That's just what happens. And the girls step back, um, bar a couple who charge right in. And so we just provide the opportunity for these women who are interested just to have, give it a go, um, to use a power tool that they may never have used, or some of them may have because they've been in the shed with their dad. And just to expose them to, and we try and expose them to um, industry as well as the training. So we've had huge support from like BCITO, MITO, Competence, all of the, the, the ITOs, um, as well as um, some of the pre-trade providers like um, MIT, Unitech. So we're often Auckland-based. Um, and some of the private providers but recently we've had a lot of people from industry come in and have stands and that's really beneficial because it's one thing for the BCITO to say absolutely women can do this and we train lots of women but it's another thing to talk to a company saying actually yes we would really like to hire more women and we would hire you and you do your training through the BCITO <coughs> excuse me and so we really are trying to grow the industry connections. Um, and then as well as that, our events, we have um, a keynote speaker. So we run our events in the afternoon and it's not always ideal for students, but it is in a way because it allows um, Bano to be there. And we've had some amazing situations where like, I think in our first year we had this girl come in with her mum and her mum was like, oh, I think my daughter wants to be a carpenter. I'm really not sure about, you know, her on a building site, that kind of thing. And I pointed her in the direction of a couple of key people to talk to. The end of the night, this mum walked past me and went, my daughter's going to be a builder and she's going to be okay. And that was really powerful. And for that young woman, that meant that she had the support that she needed and she wanted. Um, we also hold them in the evening because we want tradeswomen to be there because this, 
like having industry there, having a tradesman would say, yes, I was a, I, you know, I was an apprentice and this happened and it, that was bad, but I changed my job or I got straight into a pre-trade and it was really awesome and my tutor helped me into a job or whatever. So listening to their career paths and listening to their cool stories, you know, I've heard the most amazing stories from women who are like, oh yeah, I got married and had my wedding photos in front of this building that I helped build because it's so beautiful. You know, there's just such pride in what they do. And having young women or women interested in changing their career hear that is so unbelievably powerful. And so we have a keynote speaker award and um, what we decided after our first event, we had this amazing speaker and she was brilliant, but a lot of people were asking specifically for a tradeswoman. Um, but it's really hard to find tradeswomen who are prepared to get up in front of people and tell their story. So we provide the opportunity or scholarship to work with a um, professional speaking coach, Diana Thompson from Speechmark. She's fantastic. And sh what she does is she works with the tradeswomen, developing their slides, developing their presentation, developing their story so that it's got the right mixture of real right mixture of funny um and it, it does work and so and that's all about empowering tradeswomen to step up as well and then we have a panel discussion and we try and like i said before we, we try and represent all trades so if the person speaking is a carpenter we try and have different um trades on on the seats like last year we had someone from aviation we had someone from mechanical engineering you know just just to provide different experiences you know if, if you've got someone who works on a construction site you kind of want someone who works in a workshop or a or a big factory or something like that so that there's just that knowledge of the range um and so that's really what we've been focusing on we would love to go more and support tradeswomen so we're slowly trying to develop our networking it's just been a bit hard this year with with covid so we made these great plans and then obviously that had to stop um and we're also looking at moving out of auckland so having an event in auckland and elsewhere but again that kind of got um changed but yeah so that's that's generally what we do so we look at trying to support women into the trades support women who are in the trades when they get there, support women to move up through the trades because there are so many opportunities for women who want it. They just sometimes just don't even want it. And that's okay. We're not about, okay, now you've got a trade. What else can you do? That's possibly what they love and they want to stay there. That's great. And then, you know, actually how can we support employers? Because there are, there are some employers who just don't like the idea of females on site. And that's okay. We're not we're not holding that against them. We're just not going to work with them because, you know, there's there's our energy is better spent elsewhere. But there are some employers who are just a bit nervous about things. They might like, oh, well, if I get a female, I might have to have a pink toilet. Actually, you don't have to have a pink toilet. You have to have facilities that someone might want to sit down on, or or some have come up with some kind of arrangement. You know, it's it's just those little things that are, you know, they're niggling and I totally get it. If you run a business or a busy site or something like that, the fear of the unknown is very real. So if we could do anything to try and 
alleviate some of that by introducing them to a, an employer who's successfully trained women or whatever, then we're all in. I'm interested if you don't mind sharing, uh, you kind of touched on what the goals were of the organization and I wouldn't mind just hovering on what it means to you personally in terms of what's your um, real attachment to this. You know, you're obviously quite passionate about helping women out and getting into the trades. I'm just wondering about what really keeps you going in terms of, yes, I want to still promote this and and I want to be a part of this because it, it you know, it's something bigger than myself, I, I would assume. So I'm just interested in that and, and what keeps you going and why why you would devote so much time and energy into something like this? I personally just think we're in an age now that anybody should be able to do whatever they want. Um, I specifically focus on women in trades because that is where I started, but there's work to be done, you know, men in early childhood or um, women in engineering or something like that. But but to be fair, there is there is a lot of work being done in women in engineering. But the trades, I mean, they hold a special place in my heart because that was my dad's bread and butter and that's, that meant that I got the childhood that I, I loved. Um, but also I think the trades are kind of put down a bit and they're looked down upon by, by people. And if I can just make some small effort to change that... Um, and to support women to find a career that they actually love. I mean, I've heard some of your podcasts where you've talked to tradeswomen and they love it. They love what they do and they just can't believe they've been so lucky to find it. And I mean, I'm not very practical. I, I'm quite happy to, to let other people to do that manual stuff. But I also don't see why we should stop people from doing something just because they are of a particular gender. You know, it doesn't, there's so much innovation and technology that means that anybody can do pretty much any job, then, you know, why shouldn't we? So I, I just, I have this real desire to push for some kind of equity to try and, you know, just to give everybody an equal chance to, to do what they love. And if it's a trade, it's, it is. And I think I've done a lot of research around women in trades. And every time I hear a tradeswoman's story, it's just so driven and so passionate. And they just love what they do. That I just want other people to have that, if that's their bag. Do you know, mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And so if, if I can do it, I mean, my goal is to not be chairperson. You know, I'd love for this organization to be run by tradeswomen or tradeswomen. And, you know, we just have, we're just not there yet. And I don't know why we're not there. There's probably something that, that we're not doing. Maybe, you know, we, like I said, we're slowly building our network and hopefully that's going to happen because women do want to be represented by someone like them. You know, there is a little bit of dissension. I don't think that's the right word, but there's a little bit of, grumpiness that sometimes comes when they're represented by somebody who's a professional you know sitting in an office and they're kind of like well what what do you know um and so yeah I would love not to I'd love to sit back and just do the education side of it because that is my my area of specialty um and one day I will 
I absolutely will. There's so many passionate tradeswomen out there. We just need to gather them together. And we're genuinely hoping that next year we're going to be able to host a tradeswoman conference. Um, we just need to get all our ducks in a row so that we can bring these tradeswomen together and we can start developing these really strong networks around the country and and start handing over the reins to people. But also I think as well, tradeswomen, and it's like women in any kind of space, they always often feel that they have to do work twice as hard to be half as good as the as the guys they're working with. So they don't have the time. I remember when I was working um, at my previous yeah, one of the schools I was at, and we had a um, a program where whereby people came in to talk about their jobs, and these were people from the construction industry. So we had an engineer and a project manager and a carpenter, and and they were all males. This was in an all female school, and one of the guys was like, "I really tried to get one of my colleagues to come along. Um, she's a project manager, but she was so worried about what it would look like that she left the office early that she didn't want to go." and do this and it's just such a shame and and I can imagine tradeswomen potentially unless they've got the right employer they may feel the same sure like like you like they have to doubly prove themselves yeah yeah I'm, I'm interested in that and that's kind of leading on to my next question a little bit you know uh, certainly women are underrepresented in the construction industry so I'm, I'm interested to what you think or what the organization perhaps has targeted as some areas that you think are roadblocks for those opportunities of, of women saying, hey, this is a possible career path or this is the way in or even the, the current situation in construction companies, let's say, of um, yeah, roadblocks that are stopping women wanting to or even being able to move into those companies and, and get a job in, in areas like that? Some of it I personally think comes from people's perception of the construction industry. Um, there was a piece of research that came out of Australia a while back and they were talking about the different perceptions from somebody who knows someone in the construction industry versus someone who doesn't. And often if you don't know someone in the construction industry, you're going to hold on to those perceptions of um, the mafia-led construction industry from New York, you know, back in the, whenever the mafia was in control. So you've kind of got that idea of cutting corners and aggressive and toxic masculinity and all, all of that kind of thing. So I think there's, there's a roadblock there because a lot of families don't want their daughter to go in and or teachers or colleagues or, um, or whatever. And that, and that comes from the, the right place. You know, they just genuinely care about these. So I don't think that's a bad thing, um, but it's like, how can, how can we change the perception of the construction industry? And the only can, way we can do that is really through exposure and conversations with really good. I mean, there's some amazing construction companies out there that just do, phenomenal things to to work on diversity i think sometimes there's a disconnect between um especially in big companies between the policies diversity policies that are written and the diversity policies that are enacted on the ground um and so there could be a, a roadblock i mean like i said before you can't get an apprenticeship without a job 
and you can't get a job until somebody actually opens the door and says, hey, I'll have a female, um, no problem kind of thing. Um, and it takes a really brave person to, to, to hire that very first female, which is, it sounds really awful to say, but actually it does. It, we need those champions of change who actually step out there. And I'm starting to see it a lot. A lot of people are going, I'd really love to hire my first female. How can I get it? Um, but also there's the, I hired a female and she got pregnant or I hired a female and she was useless. And so all of a sudden that one person has tainted the view of all females out there in the world kind of thing. And this person's never, and if you think of that times, however many, and not all females are going to be fantastic tradies. I personally know that I would be particularly rubbish. But also in saying that, I'm pretty sure that you've hired males who haven't worked out as well, but you, that doesn't mean you stop hiring males. You know, it's like, it's okay to have a bad male and have to deal with them, fire them or whatever, but it's not okay. As soon as you have one bad female, often company or site managers or people are like, nope, that's it. Never going down that path again. Um, there is, like I said before, around the toilets, there is concern around toilets. Um, and I mean, generally that's a conversation that people don't want to have. And so it's easier just not to have it. Whereas actually if you just, if an employer is interested in just in hiring a female and just says, okay, well, we often don't have toilets on site or this, what's a solution? very quickly the female will come up with a solution that's not you need to get me my own little portaloo you know with bags of potpourri going through it it's just a really easy conversation um ppe gear is a big one um women are not scaled down version to use the the phrase of um she's free to be an organization that looks at diversity in new zealand you know she's like Women are not scaled down versions of men. And that is so true. And, and we get a lot of companies who are creating unisex products. But I don't know if you've ever tried to put on a pair of females jeans, but women are different from men. And so there are some things that we just can't do with. And if you think about a construction site and there's health and safety issues around it, um, but often it's the female that has to solve the problem. You know, they have to find the boots. They have to wear the boots, which are scaled down version of male boots, which are uncomfortable, or they have pink bits on them. Or, you know, there's, there's something, whereas they can't just go into a shop like um, their male colleagues and just get a pair of boots kind of thing. So it just creates that extra barrier if you're nervous about starting a job if your boss is nervous and then all of a sudden you have to take the afternoon off to drive across town to find the right size of something because the stockists in New Zealand aren't that great at stocking for females or they like I said they stock unisex and they've got these giant things um, t-shirts or whatever that are supposed to be unisex that don't fit you're not really going to feel welcome on site. You're not going to feel that you can do things. If you have to order something from Australia that takes six weeks, if you were a site manager, you want someone tomorrow, not someone in six weeks time when they have the right equipment or, you know, you don't want to have to pay all that money to get it shipped out just to, 
for it potentially to be ill-fitting or something like that. So there's just all these kind of microaggressions, um, these like barriers that are put up. But a lot of it is just lack of exposure. They just don't know that there are women in the trades. And the only way we're going to do that is increase the number of women in trades. So it's slowly happening, but yeah. What I wouldn't mind asking, just following on from what you've said, is that I wonder where women in trades comes into that uh, kind of dilemma where there are these roadblocks and there's perhaps awkward moments around PPE. Are you also, as well as exposing women to the industry, are we... Do you think it's necessary at this time and this quite pioneering time, if you will, where more women are coming into the industry that where you as an organization are kind of arming women and encouraging them to be leaders in this space, as well as, of course, it's quite hard to step into those uh, things where perhaps, like you say, site managers or companies aren't ready or haven't experienced those differences on site. Do we also have to say to young women who are thinking about becoming this industry, you know, um, get ready perhaps to step up and be a pioneer and, and, and take that leading role and say, hey, look, the inevitability is that the construction industry is, I'm sure it's over 90% male uh, dominated, if you will. So there's going to be a lot of females who are coming into the construction industry from way back when to even today who are essentially pioneers in that industry and have the ability to, if they want to step up and, and bring a new face to the industry, then hey, you almost get to be a part of bringing in new norms. So I just wonder if women in trades are playing a part in that. We do try and do that through our conferences through the panel discussions we haven't quite got to the stage of putting that um, on our websites um, we do try and connect so when we get messages through our, our social media we because we don't do mentoring per se because mm. that's quite a loaded um situation and it takes quite a lot of training to get someone to be a good mentor and understand where the boundaries are and there's just so many things that could happen um so we do try and connect um and whenever we get people to connect with someone who's interested in being a trades whether it's going into schools or talking to someone who's said that they'd be quite keen on being a tradie um we try and say you know you've got to say the good the bad and the ugly because you're going to have amazing days you're going to have days where it's you know, beautiful weather and you're out and you learn something new and you step back and it's huge pride in what you do or you and the team work exceptionally well together. You're going to have bad days where it's teeming with rain and you're just having to try and do something that is just not working. And you're going to have ugly, potentially you're going to have ugly days where you might have to deal with a microaggression and you might have someone go, oh, what's a pretty little thing like you doing pushing a wheelbarrow? Mm. And it's... Or, or worse, you know, and there is sexual harassment. And I've heard awful situations where um, tradeswomen have basically been told to suck it up. You wanted to work in, the, in this industry, deal with it. Um, obviously, they've changed jobs and are currently doing exceptionally well. But it is a case of for forewarned is forearmed. I think that's the saying, or forearmed mm. is forewarned, or whatever. And if, if 
we can tell the stories. And that's where our Tradeswoman Wednesdays have been really good because women can actually tell their stories. And there's a bunch of different stories on our website where, you know, actually just talking about things makes a difference. And that's, again, where our... So talking about it so that someone else can read that this might happen. And if you can make an informed choice, but still go into it and know that there might be situations, um, but also knowing who to talk to and who to go to. So we do have a page that looks at, you know, places you can call for more extreme situations. Um, but we're just hoping with the networking, when that does come up, um, just having a conversation, because sometimes it can be, I've heard of a situation where, and I don't know, I don't, that this is literally a, a, another person talking where it, something happened and it kind of blew out of proportion and that person left but then came back to the work um, a few years later. And the thinking around that was, well, if she had somebody like another female that she could have picked up the phone and gone, I, is this right or am I, am I overreacting kind of thing? Um, <coughs> excuse me then maybe she would have not stepped out of the industry for two years. So it's sometimes it's, there, you know, there is that kind of disconnect. Um, and, you know, with women, they are often on guard as well because they don't want to mess up. They don't want to be that female that stops somebody. Um, and so, yeah, we do, we do try and connect people as much as possible. Um, but we don't actually have that on our website mm. as yet. But we do, like, we're trying to work with, um, we've been in contact with WorkSafe around PPE, and we're seeing how we can potentially advocate as well, um, because if we can make some small difference, then that would be amazing. But also, we are... a group of volunteers where we possibly need the support is from the big companies because you know where are the companies ringing up the PPE suppliers going this is not okay you know why is this not listed on here or what are you doing about this situation until that starts happening I mean I remember when I ran my trades academy and I went into a big retail um, safety retailer with my girls to try and get them boots which was incredibly difficult because you're trying to get boots for um females and they were so uncomfortable that the amount of times i'd have to take the boots back or i do so have to change the style and things like that and i was like well, when are you going to bring in boots for females and he was like well we do have them they're over there um and all our all our men's sizes go down to essentially that's just like but that's not okay they're not comfortable they're not my girls aren't wanting to wear them because their arches are too high or their feet are just the wrong size. And, you know, there's all these kind of things. And he was like, oh, well. but again, I was only one person. Whereas if there's lots and lots of companies who are actually starting to say, hey, what's going on? You know, I can't get this female on my site for another four weeks because you're not stocking the right size boots or, you know, to get um, 
have to pay exorbitant amounts of money to to get the right PPE gear shipped in from another country, then, you know, things might start changing because, you know, money talks. Mm-hmm. And there are so many companies out there who've been doing female PPE gear for years, but we only get the male versions in New Zealand. And so it's just starting, you know, we need help from the big businesses to start questioning those things. Sure. But they need to start realizing that it's a, it's an issue and, and stop saying, like I was talking to a company the other day and he was awesome, absolutely awesome. And he was explaining what they do. And halfway through the conversation, he was like, I don't think that's right. He was talking about, oh, we just get our females to get an extra large and then we get it fitted to them. And then he just stopped himself and he was like, that's not okay. Hang on a minute. And then, so he thought about that. And then he, I had a further conversation with him and he was talking about some of the female PPE gear they do have. And he was like, but the, the women aren't taking it up. But that's because a bloke's going in to talk to them about it. That's not going to work. Mm. So they've now got a female who can go in and do that. So it's, it really is kind of thinking a little bit more. And that was just from a conversation. I didn't even say anything. He was figuring all that stuff out himself. So just just thinking a bit harder and a bit, it's it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. It's it's just thinking a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering if we can perhaps take it back. Your background is teaching, so I I wouldn't mind. Uh, we've touched on it a little bit, but perhaps what women in trades are doing in particular, but also. In general, we're speaking about women who are pursuing a career in the trades. Usually the first step in that ladder is exposure at high school in terms of the job market. What do you think, at least in New Zealand, what are we doing right and wrong? What could we be doing to at least expose women to this idea that there are careers and many of them and many different types of careers in the construction industry that are available to them. You know, are we at school level, are we exposing this well enough? I know I've had conversations on the podcast and that would say that we're not doing anywhere near enough and that a lot of the women who are now in the trades, it would never even cross their mind in high school or was never presented to them that here's a fantastic career where you can get paid for while you learn and on and on and on. We know the story about construction industry and why it's great. So yeah, I just wonder what can we do, be doing better? What are we doing better? And uh, what you think as a woman in trades, what you're trying to do? I think, I mean, if you look at the construction industry, like you've got to shout out, give a good shout out to the BCITO. They have a woman's advocate. They have really pushed to get into um, to a lot of girls' schools. You know, they, they really have have and are doing everything they possibly can to raise the numbers. Um, but often women who do go into the trades are career changers and they will say those things. They will say, I was never exposed to this. I was never given that opportunity, those kind of things. Um, but I think... Industry, again, I come back to industry. You know, I've heard stories of trying to get a female onto, you know, female who's interested in 
and building and trying to get them onto a construction site. And again, you, you just run into those same barriers. You know, they have to have PPE gear. The school generally pays for that, but the cost can possibly be prohibitive. I mean, I, I know it's not the construction industry, but I had a bunch of girls going into automotive and I had to buy these ginormous overalls because they had to wear overalls. I had to pin them down, take them to a, um, a seamstress, get them tailored and altered so that they didn't have these long flappy arms because I had to buy a bigger size because obviously, again, men and women are different. And so then, you know, I was lucky that I had the budget to do that. But if I was a smaller school or something like that, I may not. Um, and so it's, yeah, it really is down to that. Um, there is sometimes a push from schools around university, going to university, and that kind of belief that the trades are for non-academic male students. Um, I do think that's changing. Um, I don't want to sit here and, and say that it's not, um, but I think there still is. And, you know, it's, and it's not the career advisor as well. Sometimes it comes from the teachers in the classrooms. Um, and it's just those little comments that um, I heard one the other day. And I, oh, I can't even remember what it was. And I just, I actually had to bite my tongue because I was like, you know, do you realize what you're doing? And I mean, I currently work in a space where I'm training maths teachers and I try and expose them to different ideas of understanding actually what is needed because as a maths teacher when I worked in England I had so many kids who would say to me oh I don't need maths I'm going to be a builder and I was like whoa you're not building my house you know it's just you know this idea that they, the two things were mutually exclusive and that had to come from somewhere because it certainly didn't come from me and um you know, so I think there's just all of those kind of things. In terms of females, I don't think there is the exposure. And I think it's partly to do, I mean, again, numbers. If only 3% of tradeswomen in New Zealand, if there's only you know, only 3% of tradies in New Zealand are women, it's really not the exposure. And if you hire a tradeswoman, you hire someone to be on site, to be part of the team. You don't hire them to go into schools and do a song and dance, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So there is kind of, how do we balance it? And I think the BCITO and a lot of the ITOs actually are doing it really well, um, where they've got ambassadors and they've got a range of people that they can draw upon. Um, we try and do it, but we're really kind of um, tied because again, it's a cost thing. You know, for a tradie to take a day off work, unless they've got a really supportive employer, they might have to take unpaid leave. And, and we've had tradeswomen who have done that to attend our events because they want to be there and they want to support. But that's a huge financial cost to them. And in Australia, the um, SALT, the Supporting and Linking Tradeswomen Organisation, actually get federal funding. And so if a, woman, if a tradeswoman wants to go and work in a school with them, then they take a day's leave but they get paid by salt and so it kind of negates that and so i think it's really hard to gain the exposure that's required um 
and you know there's a whole bunch of other so many other sort of areas around that um, I mean if you think of the construction industry alone there are so many jobs so many different jobs and you, you just no no one person can really understand what all the jobs are and and how they work and how you get into them and those kind of things so um, I do think there's got to be an element of schools working with industries and creating partners the other thing that kind of sits in my brain when I think about this as well is the networking you know I someone posted something on Facebook the other day her son goes to an all-boys school and um, some old boy had gone into the school and snapped up five budding carpenters and gave them apprenticeships and it was all really exciting and it was like but that's that old work old boys network and girls don't have that unless they've got somebody in their family in a trade and so quite often you'll hear stories of someone who goes in and works with their dad or their uncle or something like that how do they get a job how do they create those networks um because there's no old girls network in the construction industry you know and so it's thinking rethinking your hiring and yes absolutely go back to the school that um, gave you those opportunities initially but don't give them five give them three and go to the girls school across the road and say you know have you got anybody who might be interested in, you know just kind of starting to think a bit differently hmm. That makes <laughs> yeah, no, that makes absolutely. Yeah, no, no, great. Yeah, I, I want to move on to the next question uh, about apprenticeships. One thing that I've found, especially in my uh, experience with Instagram, is the amount of people who have made career changes, both male and female. And I just can't get over how to, to make such a move, especially perhaps if you come from a theoretical academic or let's say an office sort of cubicle environment and you want to step into the construction industry with no experience at all you know male or female that's a really courageous move so uh, hats off to anyone who's ever done that so what I would like to kind of circle around here is the fact that at the moment apprenticeships are free in New Zealand you know this has got a lot to do with COVID we're trying to really kickstart our economy and the construction industry has been an area of focus for a number of years in terms of trying to get people into this trade we talk about a skills gap we talk about uh, a lack of diversity in the industry there's a lot of reasons why we want to get people into the industry which is hey it's great because we need it the advancements, let's say, uh, in our industry around technology um, has opened the door to so many different avenues into construction that I guess gives opportunities to people who perhaps traditionally, let's say, aren't even that practical by nature, but there's ways into the industry where you can excel and you can be a really big part of the industry now where in the past, those things weren't even a part of the industry, if you follow. Uh, so definitely a shout out to all those people who are making career changes. Good on you. It's a monumental move. So I'd just like to speak really in general about how do we encourage uh, women moving into the trades now, especially the apprenticeships are free. It's probably the, I understand we've spoken about 
previously some of the barriers that uh, needed to be navigated into getting in the industry as a female, but surely now is the absolute best time ever for females to get into this industry. So I just wonder if you think if there's ever been a better opportunity for women to get into trades now and, you know, some of the things that are happening that, that are encouraging women to do that and including your organization. I think it is a really good time because a lot of research shows that, you know, the cost of um, training can be a barrier, but you know, even if you've done no previous training, even if you wanted to go through a pre-trade program, because quite often women who are changing careers or going straight from school, unless they've kind of got a bit of a background, they quite often will go into a pre-trade program because they don't want to walk it. They don't believe that they could walk in off the street and get a job. Um, they need to have some skills and qualification type of qualification behind them. So if, you know, with fees free there and um, also a, um, tra- apprenticeships, that is a huge bonus. And I think that makes a huge difference. Um, but like I said before, you can't get an apprenticeship without a job. And it's just really about opening your doors and saying, you know, we, we will hire the best person for the job and we will be open to that person being somewhat different to us. Um, a lot of people are like, yeah, we hired the best person for the job, but that person looks, acts, sounds exactly like them. And it's like, how did you, how did you do that kind of thing? What was your process? Um, and there's a lot of work being done, especially around engineering and, and that about how they can take that bias out and the best people for the job are put in front of the employer. Um, I don't think that, that we've got there with the trades um, so much. Um, but it, it absolutely is. And there's so many people who have been made redundant from um, other jobs and often, you know, there is this discussion that it is woman. I haven't seen the data on that, so I can't confirm nor deny. But if I'm, if the media is to be believed, often it is women who are disproportionately displaced. And often that is because they take on part-time roles because they're a caregiver and things like that. And that's another thing that can be a barrier is the whole caregiving situation. Um, you know, if you've got children at school, you can't do a a 6.30 till 7 o'clock stint on a, on a construction site or, or whatever. Um, and it's just about, you know, employers being prepared to take what they can get. Um, because often if you make, um, I interviewed one woman who worked for this, the guy sounded amazing and ran his own business. And, um, and she worked, four days a week and there was another guy there who was the primary caregiver of his children. So he worked between nine and three and she was like, you know, he gets done between nine and three, what most people get done between eight and five kind of thing. And so it was just, it's just about, you know, if you're going to sort of, if you, I mean, and sometimes it's not possible as well, but if you're, if you're able to, make concessions for things like childcare and school drop-offs or, or whatever, then it does, you know, make a, make a huge difference because 
I've, I've heard women say, I'd love to do that, but I've got kids. I'd love to do that, but I need to, I need to be able to do this with my children kind of thing. And so, and it's, I mean, and that's good for um, males as well as females, because, you know, I know a lot of fathers who would love to be able to have a couple of days where they get to drop their kids off and pick their kids up. And so, you know, it's just thinking about, um, a lot of people will say that, you know, when you're, when you're employing only males, you're only fishing in half the pond, but are you? Or are you only fishing in half the pond of males? Because the other half are like, well, that doesn't suit my lifestyle or I don't like that environment or, or whatever. So it's, you know, you open up your, your potential employees, um, your pool of potential employees by really kind of thinking a little bit if, if your job site accepts it. I mean, I think if my dad and he was working all hours that he could, um, I have vivid memories of being taken down to the wharf and mum going, see that little short fat man over there on that barge? That's your father, wave kind of thing. And that was the only time I saw him in about three weeks. So it's kind of a, you know, sometimes it can be unforgiving and some, but there are also periods of kind of waves. So, you know, it's, it's working, working that out with your people um, as well. We've spoken a little bit more about there's so many entry points and so many different facets of the construction industry, uh, even now and historically to think of the construction industry, in my opinion, at least as a male dominated industry, uh, perhaps that's correct. If you're speaking about the frontline workers, uh, and this more manual labor, but there are plenty of women in this industry who have been in quantity surveyors, office roles, sales, you know, all of that stuff working behind the scenes to build the world that we see out in front of us today. So, I mean, how can we kind of encourage them or, or what do you do as a organization to encourage them? And, you know, maybe they're really the leaders, like you say, they're the ones who have that experience. So how do we draw on people who have been through that uh, to inspire the next generation? In terms of like the vertical side of, of construction, you know, you do have the National Association for Women in Construction who do a phenomenal job around networking. And and every, and I know I'm a member of NALIC as well, and every woman in construction that I've met, bar a few, just love it. They love the industry. They love the way it goes. They love the way it works. And they just want to get out there. And now it's done some really cool things. You know, they've gone and worked with girl guides. They go into schools. They go into universities. Um, and so that's always a good space to, to kind of lead to. Um, I mean, the difficulty with schools is quite often you have to be invited to go in. And we've gone into a couple of schools where no students have turned up because it's been up to the student. Um, whereas, you know, the day before the, a, a university person was in and, you know, the room was full kind of thing. And so it's, it's kind of hard to know. I think the biggest thing that anybody in the construction industry can do is just talk about their job because I don't think we do that enough. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if you've got a niece or a nephew or someone who's like, actually, I've got this really cool job. Do you want to hear about it? You know, I, I, you know, I get to build things. Look at this house. I mean, gosh, the shell building in 
Wellington. I mean, it was one of the, the one of the biggest jokes is every time we drove into Wellington, my dad would be like, oh, look, you know, I built that. That was what I did my apprenticeship on. You know, every time we drove through Cromwell, we had to stop and look at the bridge and check underneath it and make it sure it was still there. I knew what my dad did and I knew that he loved it. And, you know, he loved concrete like you wouldn't believe. We constantly had concrete testing outside our front door kind of thing and cranes. We got to go to Japan to buy a crane. And so, you know, for me, it was a really exciting industry for that reason, because there were just so many variations on the same theme that you could do. And I think the biggest thing that we can do is outside of, you know, formal events like we do, is just talk to people, you know, this is what I do. And this is what I, you know, this is why I love it. Um, because unless people know what you do, you just go out the door and come back in at the end of the day, tired and possibly a bit grumpy or, you know, rushing around or something like that. So I think we really just need to encourage people within the industry to talk about their job and why they love it. And if you're a female in the industry, talk about the problems, you know, actually, I mean, obviously you're not going to tell a five-year-old about sexual harassment, but you know, you say, you know, sometimes things do happen that are not very nice, but there are people there that, that help you and you've got to find those people and those kind of things. Because I think until we start talking about our careers to the next generation, you know, it's just a job. Yeah. And they don't understand how amazing it is. And that, I mean, that's why I get a buzz listening to... Um, I used to listen to the Tradeswoman Australia podcast when I was had a, a job where I had to drive everywhere and they would talk about their jobs and it was just so fascinating and I just loved it. And I was like, if only every single little girl in the world could hear this mm. and they could make an informed choice. Yes, that's for me. No, it's not. Um, instead of going, that's not for me because I don't like or I'm a girl and that's not a girl's job. Um, and those decisions are being made. What's really scary in New Zealand, those decisions are made before they even hit primary school. I think that's something that you've hit on. That's very true that as, let's say, uh, a blue-collar industry perhaps uh, or a working-class industry, we don't take enough pride in what we do every day. So it also links into the social media aspect. A lot of women, I think, do it quite well where they'll show the highs and the lows and the problems and the wins and the losses. And, you know, today more than ever, you're exposed to what a woman in trades looks like for, for in so many words. So that's great. There's some exposure where perhaps some young people can get on board on a medium that they're familiar with and kind of the lingo that they're familiar with perhaps and, and get a look into, Oh, that's what a career in this industry looks like. And you know, she can do that. I mean, I'd like to definitely dig in perhaps at this point is a good place. There's so many anecdotes of great stories of women in trades and I'm sure you've been privy to a lot of them. Oh, there, there are so many, you know, there are women who have fed up the, the ranks you know, gone into management. I interviewed one lady who was um, carpenter on Lord of the Rings. Mm. You know, you've got to be pretty good at your job to be able to to get on to a job site like that. 
off the top of my head, I'm really struggling. I'm really Sorry, Kylie. No, not not at all. I guess what I'm what I'm what I was trying to uh, say was that you know there there's no there's no real boundary um, that can't be crossed by a woman in this industry. So you know, uh, I just wanted to really highlight that. And, and there's so many stories, you know, I look on Instagram at, at least from what I've seen. And there's a woman that, I, that I can see, uh, every day in, in every trade, you know, you mentioned painters, there's plasterers, there's crane operators, there's digger operators. You know, I think one that uh, hits my head the other day, uh, a, a lady named Willow, I think she's down in Queenstown and she drives oh, tower. She, yeah, she drives tower cranes. And I know that's just, uh, you know, I don't mean to say like, wow, a woman driving tower cranes. But in my opinion, anyone who drives a tower crane is an absolute legend. Um, I've climbed up to the top of the tower crane and it's no joke to do that every day. Great. You know, so I guess I just want to say that, you know, there's, there's certainly no barrier. Um, I've seen female builders who can lift frames just as well as men can. And, and, you know, there's, what they have to learn is, is well within their capability, regardless of your gender, if you know what I mean. So I guess, again, it's about the promotion of the opportunities to say, hey, these are out there. And, you know, if you can find the right employer or if you really have that drive to make it happen, then back yourself because you can do it. And, you know, you can do it just as well as anyone out there. And don't settle as well. You know, I've spoken to a lot of tradeswomen who kind of, their first experience has not been that great, whether it be because staff members, you know, workplace bullying, sexual harassment. Um, I had one I spoke to who pretty much felt like she was just the poster child of, aren't we great? Look at how diverse we are. We've got a female on site. Mm. Um, and so they went and searched for other, and I, you know, I, women in trades absolutely advocates if someone gives you a job and gives you a chance, you know, stick with them. Don't, don't kind of go for the lure of more money or whatever. But if the circumstances is not right and you're not getting what you need or you're being mistreated, absolutely go and look for another job site because the amount of women I've spoken to who've done that, were just like, it was the best thing I did. I loved every second of it. Um, you know, and they desperately want to take on apprentices because they want to share what they know um, is a, amazing mechanic down in um, New Plymouth who I think has taken on six female apprentices and um, I think half of them stayed in the industry and half of them didn't for whatever reason you know there's health reasons that they didn't stay or you know whatever but you know she she was like I want to train up females because I want to give what I got you know she just loved her apprenticeship so much and she loved the learning that she did and the opportunities and the people who supported her um that she wanted to pass that on to somebody else and that you hear that so many times with women you know they're like I just want other people to to, to have what I have this is just amazing it's mm. I'm living my best life and yeah one thing that, that springs to mind as you're saying that is that perhaps from from a construction standpoint is that I can imagine that the goal would be to give women who want to come into this industry a authentic experience of what the construction industry 
really is you know like you say you've um, heard stories of people who perhaps want to almost hire women as a token gesture of look how diverse we are you know I, I realize it's quite a touchy subject but at the same time what probably attracts those women into this industry is is you know the work ethic the the pride in your work and the ability to get on the tools and and learn and and be a part of a team so i think it's it, it's on the employer to create an environment where we can make sure that we're giving authentic experiences to those women who are coming into the industry and not just being like, Hey, let's give you extra, extra special treatment. And, you know, because at the same time for, for someone to feel comfortable as well as, you know, providing the right PPE and, and the right toilet facilities and, and those things, if you want them to have a true experience and to stay on in the industry and to be, to increase their competency within your company, you want to provide them with the, authentic experience of being a part of the team and kind of thing and you know there's a lot of people I've spoken to that I've spoken to who are like I just want to get my hands dirty you know if I can't lift something don't lift it for me help me lift it mm. or let me lift it because um you know there's that whole adage of oh you know guys being, you know, and it's being polite because as, as one tradeswoman explained it to me, you know, that's how guys are brought up. If they're brought up well, they're brought up to be shibboleth, shibboleth whatever that word is. Yes. You, say. Um, you know, they're brought up to open doors for you. They're brought up to carry heavy things. And that's, you know, and that's not wrong. That's not bad or wrong. They're not undermining you. It's you've just got to speak up and say, actually, I need to, I need to be able to lift this because, if I can't lift it, or if you were to lift it for me, I'm never going to develop that strength. And um, I'm obviously not a carpenter, but as a teacher um, who currently spends a lot of time in front of my computer, when I have to go out and teach workshops and things like that, I'm shattered by the end of the day because I don't have the fitness that I once had. Um, you know, I'm running around a classroom, and I'm assuming it's the same in the trades as you build up a fitness. Um, and so you know, there's this thing that women aren't strong enough. They're not strong enough yet. And you can hire a scrawny guy who's not strong enough yet. But, you know, they lug around a few um, bits of timber and do a few other, you know, pick up bags of concrete or whatever. They're going to get fit and they're going to get strong and they're going to do what they need to do. Um, and it's, it's providing them with the opportunity and not kind of, wrapping them in cotton wool and not giving them the easy jobs kind of thing. It's, you know, if they need to push the wheelbarrow full of concrete, then they need to push the wheelbarrow full of concrete. And um, it's the most insulting thing you can say to a tradesperson is like, oh, what are you doing pushing that? It's my job. It's mm. what I do. It's how I earn my living. And, you know, I'm one of the team and everyone else is doing something my job is to take the concrete to them so that they can do these things. And so you're absolutely right. You know, if you hire a female, you don't need to wrap them in cotton wool. You might need to think about it. As one woman explained to me, she was like, you know, I have different bits to men. So you might show me how to carry something, but my center of balance is somewhere different. So I need to think a bit more about it. And that's all you have to do is, is kind of just give them a bit of time. I interviewed the most amazing stonemason and she was like, I can still lift the headstones and things like that, 
but I have to be a bit more careful about how I do it because I don't have the brute strength of some of my colleagues. So I have to, you know, maybe walk it a bit more or do something else. So it might take me about 10 minutes longer, but I can still do it. And it's allowing, allowing the person, male or female, to find a way of doing it that's right and safe for them, um, but not, you know, not wrapping them in cotton wool. I mean, I heard one story about a woman who um, was expected to lift all these frames on her own. And she was like, I've never seen that before on a construction site. You know, there was no one there to help me kind of thing. And so, you know, don't go too far and try and push them out of their comfort zone. But they are one of the team and they have to get strong and they have to get match fit. Let them do that. And um, But someone did explain it to me once. She said, what I can't lift, men shouldn't be lifting for health and safety reasons. Sure. And so, you know, if you think about that, you know, if she can't lift that 60 kg, whatever, should anybody be lifting that or should it be a two-person job or should you get the the forklift or, you know, I don't know. I've never tried to lift 60 kgs, but, you know, did that, that kind of consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and just to double down on that, you know, when I think about creating that authentic construction experience if you can feel that you're a part of the team and you felt that all the way through the day and the whole team really pulled together and put in a big shift and you know when you kind of at the end of the day when you're packing up your tools and you're going home there's no better feeling than than getting around those people that you're with that day who really work really hard you know whether it be the end of the week or or whatever um those are the highest highs that you'll, in my opinion, that you'll experience in the industry. So if we can create an atmosphere where that can happen for men and women alike, uh, that's how you get people interested in this industry, I think, because those are the, those are the moments where people can really honestly say, Hey, I love my job because of the teamwork, because of, uh, not only working hand in hand with the next person, but to stand back at the end of the job and, go you know look at what we all did together so yeah uh, absolutely I think that's great and 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 one thing that I uh, wouldn't mind touching on while we're on this is just if if at all I wonder what what you think women in particular perhaps can bring to this industry uh, that isn't around at the moment I know it's um it's a it's a interesting question because there's all different types of people, whether male or female, we all have different character traits, but I just wonder if there's anything that you think uh, an increased amount or, or increased exposure of this industry to, to women could bring this industry as a whole moving forward. One of the women, tradeswomen that I interviewed explained it as, you know, sometimes you see things differently and, um, and matching like a male and a female they'll look at things. So, you know, the, the male might come in as being someone who is deemed as, you know, rip shit and bust kind of thing. But you pair that with somebody who maybe be a bit more detailed and a bit sort of slower in terms of doing the job, but more focused on different things. Um, pair those two together and you've actually got a really good, you know, you've got to think about, you know, you're doing a kitchen and people, you know, the female might go, actually, well, does that make sense? You know, if you were going to be doing 
this, not because women spend more time in the kitchen, but they just might kind of think about those things that if a guy's going, well, I've got to be in and out because I've got another job this afternoon and kind of thinking about that. And you've got someone else going, well, hang on a minute, should that PowerPoint be there? Because is that going to work kind of thing? So I think there's that, but there's also, um, I interviewed one, a carpenter, and she was talking about a job site that she was on. And she said, often like the lunchtime chat would be around rugby or something like that. And so she came in on the job and after a while they started talking about their home life and asking, you know, Oh, it's my mum's birthday. What should I get? Or, Oh, you know, this happened at home last night and talking through situations. And, and she just by her mere presence of being there and, and kind of they, the guys, she felt that they felt more comfortable to talk about what was on their mind and they didn't feel like they had to talk about rugby even though they didn't want to talk about rugby and so the the lunchtime chats over a bar of chocolate or someone would bring in baking or whatever was actually far more productive and meant that they kind of got to talk about things that were on their mind in their family home kind of the thing I mean you get a group of women together and they do kind of just talk whereas guys are a bit more reserved and don't tend to talk about their feelings whereas you know she felt that because she was there these guys were able to talk about things that were really important to them and she found that the site slowly but surely got more positive and you know just more open to listening to each other and looking out for each other and you know mates in construction do an amazing job but you know there is this the situation in the construction industry that's concerning about the number of people that we're losing to mental health and what difference could having a div, you know diverse range of thinking have to a construction site yeah absolutely um agree a hundred percent that's that's something that I touched on quite a bit on the podcast and that's quite close to my heart. And, and, and I would have to agree, you know, if we can anything to improve the environment of, of that workspace and, and make it a more comfortable place for people to be themselves uh, because we spend so much time at work and, you know, we see our workmates more than we see our partners or our children even perhaps. So if that can be a comfortable space where, uh, perhaps a traditionally male-dominated environment was we have to talk about X, Y, and Z because if we don't, then um, who knows what could happen. <laughs> uh, if that's opened up to, hey, you know, let's get to know each other a bit better. And, yeah, I'm just uh, thinking about perhaps wrapping it up a little bit here and and bring it all back to women in trades and, and asking you, you know, what are the future goals for your organisations and and then just in general what's what's coming up how can people find you how can people get in contact with you and 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 be a part of what you're doing so obviously our ultimate goal is not to be needed it would be mm -hmm. lovely not to have to have women in trades as mm -hmm. a as an organization um but we are looking at how we can work with other organizations like the national association of women in construction um women in infrastructure, women in roofing, all of those different organisations so we can be what we need to be. Um, like I said before, for it to be run for tradeswomen, by tradeswomen, 
so that you know I can step back and focus on the education and developing that, which is my area of expertise. Because um, I don't know what tradeswomen want. I don't know what tradeswomen need. I'm not a tradesperson. So that's that's where Pip, um, our social media manager, has been really really good at developing those connections. And so she runs our social media, which um, is fantastic. Women in Trades New Zealand on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, we were having regular Women in Trades Wednesdays, um, but due to, there's been quite a bit of uncertainty out there around COVID and job losses and things like that. So we've, a lot of people that we were going to showcase, we've kind of held back, but um, we will have a pinned um, post on our Facebook page that you can go to if you're a trades a tradeswoman and complete the survey and we we as a pit will get back to to you with a possible story and we'll start promoting because actually our social media um, lights up every time we get a new post up there uh, everybody's reading it tradeswomen want to read about other tradeswomen doing their thing companies are proud of their tradeswomen, uh, but also young women and career changes are, are finding us and asking us questions, which is great. So we would love to hear your story. Um, and yeah, we, we really want to be able to be here for tradeswomen. So like I said before, we would love to host tradeswomen conference next year in Auckland. We're looking at how we can do that, but we're just trying to figure out sponsorship and, and get people um, get people on board so we can actually have the, the seed funding to do it. But we are having an event uh, next year, so Getting Women in Trades event. It's probably going to be around about the 18th of August. Um, we've got the seed funding for that. MB um, has really come to the party and we're going to be hosting it at Vodafone Event Centre. So, you know, any industry we get, throughout Auckland events, we get people from like Waikato, Tiawamutu, all the way up to Kaitaia. You know, people come down for our events, which is really exciting. So, you know, like I said, we want to get as many industry people there so that they can talk about their jobs. They can maybe have a little give-it-a-go activity where they, you know, the young women get to kind of have a go at what might their job might look like. So, you know, definitely get in contact with us through our website, www.womanintradesnz.com. And that will come through and we'll, we'll get, send you out all the documentation. But if you are a, a young, um, oh, the other thing is our sponsorship uh, keynote awards. You know, if you're interested, if you're a tradeswoman listening and interested in applying for that, that's going to come online as soon as we've secured the sponsorship for that. Um, if you're really keen to, to share your story and, and get some public speaking advice and guidance to help you um, to do that to get the confidence to find your voice please make sure you look out for that because it's a really cool opportunity to share your story and like I said I don't know if I did say but we've got the Vodafone event center next year in Auckland which is a massive venue so we'll just really be able to to pack in the numbers um, and yeah so like I said MB um, the Ministry for Business, Innovation and Enterprise uh, uh, have given us quite a good sponsorship amount because um, they've got three really strong 
jobs and skills hubs in Auckland that um, are working really hard to connect potential um, employees with employers and, and providing support around that. So we're really grateful for that. Um, yeah. And so that's what we're doing. PIP's working really hard to try and set up small networking um, events around the country as she travels for her job. So look out for those, look at those on our Facebook page. I know that there's one coming up, um, not organized by us, but we're all about promoting other events and there's one being organized in Queenstown. Um, and so, you know, that's up on our Facebook page. And so if you, if you want any further information, please don't hesitate to contact us. If we don't know the answer, we try and get out to other people um, to get the answer for you. So, Thanks very much, Kylie, for your time. I, I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to speak with you and, and kind of um, giving voice to what the organisation is doing. It, it's fantastic. You know, I can only speak for myself, but... I think a more diverse workforce within the construction industry can only be a good thing. And, you know, we don't really have all that much to lose in, in my opinion. So I hope that with the, at least in New Zealand, locally, the demand for people in this industry is growing and hopefully that brings a whole lot more individuals who were perhaps not exposed enough or as much as they could have been to this industry to, to give it a go. So. Yeah, thanks very much for the work that you're doing. Thanks for coming on. Um, I'm sure we'll be in contact in the future. And yeah, if you're, if you're not already following Women Trades on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, then I encourage you to do so. All right, thanks for listening, friends. If, like me, you enjoy conversations about the love of building and creating, then please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a review at wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much to Kylie for her time and efforts. If you'd like to learn more about Women in Trades, uh, you'll find them at www.womanintradesnz.com. They're also active on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Yeah, I guess uh, our industry worldwide is changing uh, in a bunch of different ways and it's fun to document them, talk about them. Uh, sometimes change is foreign to the kind of ethic that a typical construction worker may have about themselves. Maybe that old school mentality about change being change and find it interesting to have conversations with people who are doing things differently or are looking at things differently it's interesting yeah i don't know if they're like hot button topics or controversial at all i just think it's better to talk about as much as we can if people really like this industry then what ways can we make it better who knows certainly like being stagnant is going to catch up with everyone eventually so the future could be bright just speaking personally i 
haven't got bored from speaking about this industry and talking to the people in it and kind of just exploring it from as many angles as I can. It's it's fun. It keeps me really engaged. I really enjoy my job. It's exciting to be a part of this industry and yeah. One thing I always look back on is the history, right? If you're listening to outros of podcasts, you probably like history. So I'm talking about getting into the heads of people who built the great wonders of architecture and construction, you know. That's the same kind of energy that I think about how could we recreate that in this modern day like no one's going to go out and say we're going to build a cathedral and it's going to take 500 years I don't think we can do that anymore but there must be ways where we can have that same energy or that those same aspirations to build things worthy of that kind of time frame or that sort of devotion and interest into what buildings and what construction can mean symbolically even i'd love to do a podcast with some ancient historian who knows about construction techniques from way 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 back when you know that'd be cool any historians out there from norway i see you norway i see what you're doing listening to my podcast you Norwegians I want to speak to a Norwegian construction history professor who knows about ancient Viking architecture oh yeah now we're talking let's do it let's do it Norway thanks for listening friendly listeners there's still a hat available no one's named this conglomerate of people who listen to podcast outros for my particular podcast so you can do that you can comment on the post that i'll leave on instagram of this podcast and you can name this group and you can get a hat a chip away hat it's an as color five panel hat once again folks uh thanks for listening i appreciate it thanks for your time thanks very much to kylie for coming on and talking about what she does and sharing her her drive. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, then you can keep chipping away.